0: and start shopping at business.walmart.com That's business.walmart.com From the MGMA in-home studios, welcome to the Insights Podcast. I'm Daniel Williams.
1: Well, I think the the biggest you know elephant in the room on that is just the vaccines themselves and the ability to to get a vaccine and i think as of today i think i saw something that 60 percent of the the u.s as of today has at least gotten one shot which is just an amazing fact Mm -hmm. when you think about where we were you know 18 months ago that that we have created something gotten it distributed gotten people vaccinated it's it's unbelievable and that's everything from you know the research and the, the the back end all the way down to the frontline folks that are setting up the, the vaccination clinics and the public health officials that have just absolutely gone above and beyond over the last eighteen months to, to basically make this happen.
0: That's Dr. Pat Hunt talking about the innovation and determination that has taken place in healthcare during the COVID nineteen pandemic. We'll hear more from Doctor Hunt in just a moment, but first a word from our sponsor. Ring Central brings staff, patients, and payers together with compliant cloud communications and a modern call center on any device. A free new ebook from Ring Central and MGMA focuses specifically on the payer provider relationship. With all too familiar patient reviews, must see statistics, in a transformative case study, this ebook illustrates how easily cloud communications can bring patients, providers, and payers together. Download your copy at go.ringcentral.com MGMA-Healthcare. Our guest today is Dr. Pat Hunt, Chief Medical Officer at QGenda. Dr. Hun is both an entrepreneur and an emergency medicine physician. Dr. Hun has said that he believes physicians are natural entrepreneurs because of their curiosity and willingness to try new approaches until a solution is found. Dr. Hunt, thanks so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here. Excited to talk to you today, Daniel.
0: Great. Um, First, give our listeners an idea about your background and, and really where your focus has been over these last 12, 14 months during the pandemic.
1: Sure. So, so I just, I'll back up a little bit. I, I did uh, undergrad in North Carolina at, at NC State and med school at Chapel Hill, and then went down to Columbia, South Carolina, did my Immersive medicine residency at uh, what at the time was Pammata Health, Richland. Um, And then practiced uh, about half academic and half in a clinical practice setting for about five years and then went back to get my MBA at Duke University, Uh, did that, and as part of my entrepreneurship project, I uh, started a software company uh, doing schedule management called Shift Admin, and uh, I'd had a little bit of an IT background prior to that. Both my parents were in IT, and so I'd been in sort of the computer world for a while and saw potential for a a better solution Uh, and then built that out with my partner over the last uh, 13-14 years and we joined uh, forces with QGENDA at the end of uh, last year to really try and put together the best uh, best of breed scheduling product and then flipping back to about 06-07 I took over uh, as the president of our uh, group of private group emergency positions about 65 of us uh, serving uh, the the Midlands portion of uh, South Carolina and continue to, to do that to this day. Uh, so it's sort of two, a two headed uh, uh,
0: process there for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that really leads us to our, our next question. I mean, you're balancing both an emergency medicine practice and your role as chief medical officer at QGenda. Um, I don't need to tell you this. I mean, all the studies show it, all the people that we talk to in healthcare are impacted in one way or another by burnout, by stress, by so much being placed on them, so many burdens. So give us an idea, how are you achieving this balancing act that you're you're dealing with right now? How are you doing it? So, uh, you know, I think for, for anybody, and I tell the, the Medical students and the residents,
1: uh, as well as my partners, uh, you know, you, you really do. You, you hit the nail on the head in terms of balance. It really is about balance. Um, and for me, you know, I enjoy doing a lot of different things, and so it's not just 100% all the time clinical and academics, and it's not 100% of the time uh, business and, and so forth. So finding some balance between those two and sort of using different parts of my my brain to, to think about problems and solve problems uh, provides a, a nice break for me from either one or the other. And then obviously, I think the thing I always I always say is ultimately it, it's about the people that you surround yourself with too. Finding great great partners, great people to work with, all of that is That's the stuff that makes the the biggest difference in in your ability to kind of continue to do the things you want to do and do them at a high level. You got to have a lot of great support around you.
0: Mm -hmm. Now, as far as influences, I mean, at one point you were telling us about you did have this computer background from your parents, but as far as being such a person that looks at innovation, that looks at entrepreneurism, that looks at the medical profession, you've got a a wide range of interest and, uh, you know, ideas and thoughts that you follow. Are there certain influences that you've had, books that you've read, anything there that shaped you along the way that's kind of taking you to the spot you are now? You know, I mean, uh, the the first and foremost,
1: obviously, is just my parents and sort of the way they instilled, you know, kind of a work ethic and, and things out of the gate. And then, ultimately, I think, just some some internal desire to solve problems you have that desire and willingness to kind of think a little bit outside the box to to find solutions to problems that lots of people have uh, you can you can come up with those solutions uh, and I had some really, really uh, impressive faculty um, both in med school at Chapel Hill uh, as well as uh, when I was getting my MBA at Duke that really kind of pushed us to to do that, to think outside the box and, and to do a lot of collaborative work with, uh, with our classmates. Um, and you know, again, I always, I always think that's, that's the kind of stuff that you really benefit the most from when you have people that you surround yourself with that can help build on ideas. And, you know, there's really, there's nobody out there that's got all the answers. And so being able to, to be a thoughtful listener, uh, and apply all that to, to whatever the problem you're trying to
0: solve is really important. Mm-hmm. Have you had a favorite book or two that that, uh, really piqued your interest and you you kind of took that? I
1: I go back to the the book um, Jack Welch wrote a long time ago. It was one of the first ones I read in business school called Winning. Um, And it just, a lot of that comes back to some of the the managerial techniques. And I think the thing, it, it, it does come back again to the people issue that, uh, you know there's some people that are going to be great to be around, and there's some folks that probably have uh, opportunities elsewhere that may be better for them and, and don 't be afraid to to do that and use that um, because the worst thing you can do for somebody is to keep them in a position that they really are not suited well for uh, and it drags everybody else around you down as well so it, it 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 comes back to that same comment that I made early that it really does it 's all about the people and finding great people to surround yourself with.
0: Mm -hmm. You make an interesting point because whether it's Jack Welch running GE or um, no matter if it's someone running a large hospital, at the end of the day, we're talking about human beings here. We're talking about people and the issues that they have to deal with. Um, One of the things that we see in studies and in the interviews that we do with healthcare professionals that even though they're caring for those uh, patients on that clinical side, then there are those administrative burdens um, that just really weigh them down. I've talked to a lot of physicians that say how much they love working with patients, helping them solve whatever problems or health issues they're having, but then they go home and then they're doing all the paperwork, the administrative work. So what have you done? What, what hacks, what mindset do you have where you're able to deal with that? And, uh, make it part of your your work environment and not let it overwhelm you.
1: Yeah, I think
0: it, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, if you look back to
1: where medicine was 20, 25 years ago when I really got started and where it is today, they look, they look nothing alike. Um, and a lot of that has been uh, secondary to, to the technology coming in. Um, and, and the challenge and the thing that is frustrating a lot of times for physicians is that some of that, and sometimes a lot of that, technological burden falls back on the physicians to, you know, to do additional tasks. I've got this I've got to do, that I've got to do, that I didn't have to do, or you used to have support staff to do that. And so I, I think the trick is to, to, to embrace it as much as you can. And at the same time, you know, be a voice for change that really helps push things in the best direction possible. So you can't always have, you know, absolutely everything that you need you know, right in front of you. It's not going to be a perfect solution, but being willing to be flexible and, uh, and address those problems so that, you know, your, your, your position when it's all said and done is better than it was at the beginning. Because there's no question, every technological solution is going to have some challenges. When you get, it's going to be change. And I think that's the other thing that people really, it, it, it's very helpful for positions. If they can come in out of the gate and be, you know, be people that embrace embrace change versus being, you know, resistant to it, because it's going to happen. And the sooner you sort of recognize it's going to happen, I just need to accept this and then try and work with it to make the change the most beneficial that I can, the better off you're going to be. But we, we all know that medicine not going to, doesn't look the same now as it did 20 years ago, and it's not going to look the same,
0: you know, 20 years from now. Mm-hmm. Um, in reading about your background, one of the things that really struck me was it kept coming across that you have an entrepreneurial spirit. So first, define that for us. What does what having an entrepreneurial spirit mean to you?
1: You know, I when I think of entrepreneurial spirit, I really think of of problem solvers because ultimately, to me, that's what being an entrepreneur is. You really are looking looking at problems and trying to find solutions to those problems, um, no, no matter whether it's in healthcare or or anything. And, you know, it's, it's just, okay, what's the best way to solve it? What's the most efficient way for me to move from where I am to where I want to be? And does that involve, you know, technology, a different process, whatever that is, and being open to, to again, kind of thinking outside the box. What's the best uh, the best solution You know, and, and using all the resources that you have, which, again, I'll sound like a broken record when I say it, but finding great people around you that can kind of help mold and shape your ideas and your processes, you should go through it. Uh, but it really is, is being, uh, being willing to think outside the box and not be afraid to, uh, to kind of step out of your
0: comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Where does that come from? Is it something that's born into your DNA? Is it something you cultivate over time? Yes. How do you get that entrepreneurial spirit?
1: I, I, I think it's yeah, I think it's probably both. I mean, I think you have some folks that really do just have sort of that DNA that they, they're they always wanting to find a problem and solve it. And you have these sort of serial entrepreneurs that you see, you know, come in and start a project and then another one and another one. And then you have sort of the other end of the spectrum, people that are, and I don't want to necessarily say it's, they're risk averse, but, you know, they, that might be a good a good use of that term. You know, they just don't, I don't want anything to change. I want everything to be exactly the same. And I think those folks are probably less likely to uh to, to be entrepreneurs because you've got to be willing to take some risk and understand that you know, you're, know you you're going to fail. I mean, I've had a number of things that I did in my business career that didn't work out the way I had hoped they did. Um, but every single one of them, I learned from uh, and, and everything that I did in those processes helped me get more successful and better the next time I was working on a project.
0: Mm-hmm. You mentioned something interesting there. You said on that entrepreneurial side, you do fail at times. There's, you might remember from business school, I'm trying to rack my brain. I think it, what is it about 80, 85% of businesses do fail. Um, We don't want to think that in those terms when we're on the medical side, we want to provide those great outcomes, those better outcomes for patients. It might seem that those two mindsets are at odds. Uh, So how do you meld the two together? How do you find success by being entrepreneurial? but also having that scientific uh, physician's mindset as well.
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. And I think you do have to separate that a little bit because, you know, you can't be, you know, cavalier and entrepreneur That's probably not the right word, but when you're, when you're doing patient care, I mean, those things are very scientifically driven. You're, you're sort of doing standard care, best practices when you're, when you're managing your patients, but, that doesn't mean that the processes that you use to to do that can't be improved and that there's not better solutions out there to to, to do the things that you're doing ultimately the medicine is the medicine Th- that part of it is is very standardized but there's so many things particularly today that wrap around that that sort of create that that envelope that we work within and the ways that we do that are are often sometimes Plunky and not very efficient and finding better ways to manage all of those processes um, will, will improve healthcare for everybody and, and ultimately will make you know, the lives of the practitioners better. You spend less time you know, taking things home. Like you mentioned before, you're able to get, get your work done, be more efficient and and have more time to take care of patients. Cause when it's all said and done, you know, clinicians, they, they didn't go to medical school or nurse practitioner school or PA school to, to do paperwork that nobody ever signs up for that. That's not what we're interested in doing. And so trying to find ways to, to minimize that headache, uh,
0: is, is, is going to improve everybody's outcomes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm thinking about this past year, thinking about how challenging it's been for everyone, but particularly from the healthcare side of treating people and not just with the COVID side of it, but, okay, now that we have some restrictions, how do we get people in the office? So there has been incredible innovation and flexibility this year like no other. Um, what are some things that you can point to from an innovation side, from an entrepreneurial side that makes you proud to be in the medical profession, makes you go, yeah, we, we did something this year and it, it wasn't easy all the time, but we, we did some things that we kind of thought outside the box. Because as you know, at times, even though there's so many creative people in healthcare, because of some standards and guidelines, there's maybe um, an inability, not an inability, but a reluctance to maybe take chances. So what have you seen this year that really stood out to you?
1: Yeah, I think, I think that's a great point because, you know, medicine historically is, we're not the, we're not a a frontline mover for the most part, but Uh this Environment and with COVID, we, you really had no choice but to to be as aggressive as you could be within the within the parameters, you know, within the guardrails that you have. Um, it was really interesting at, at our institution. We actually set up a novel ideas committee um, that I was that I was part of, and it was really fascinating because we ended up with you know 15 or 20 clinicians that are that are on the committee, bouncing ideas off, and and you know early on you know, it's all kind of things. It's, it's okay. When we're getting ready to intubate folks, can we, is there a way to help prevent, you know, splatter? And so one of the ideas was, you know, this plexiglass shield that you could intubate through. And we had, you know, somebody locally that actually put some of those together and, you know, not all those things pan out. And you, again, you're exactly right. You have to do that with, with the idea of safety, but it's the time you know, particularly early on when we really were balancing and not having a great idea of exactly what we were walking into you're balancing sort of the safety of the clinicians and the 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 patient management and trying to figure okay where's the where's the middle ground where we're not putting everybody at incredible risk to take care of somebody but we're still being able to do the best things that we can so that you know that's just one small example i think the 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 biggest you know elephant in the room on that is just the vaccines themselves i mean the ability to to get a vaccine. And I think as of today, I think I saw something that 60% of the, the U.S. as of today has at least gotten one shot, which is just an amazing fact.
0: Mm-hmm. When you
1: think about where we were, you know, 18 months ago that, that we have created something, gotten it distributed, gotten people vaccinated. It, it's, it's unbelievable. And that's everything from, you know, the research and the, the, the back end all the way down to the frontline folks that are setting up the the vaccination clinics and the public health officials that have just absolutely gone above and beyond over the last 18 months to to basically make this happen.
0: Mm-hmm. In addition to being a physician, that's where we've been mostly focused. You're also CMO at QGenda. What, what has that been like this past year? Where have you been challenged as CMO on that side of it? and What innovations or breakthroughs have you had on, on, on that side of your business ledger?
1: yeah so that's been that's been really fun for me you know joining them late last year, kind of in the middle of the pandemic and uh, and getting up to speed with you know just a phenomenal product and a phenomenal team uh, at qgenda has been has been really exciting and I think you know things that that we're doing there with regards to helping folks manage their rooms better with room management software, doing things on on insights to really give some detailed information about exactly. How our providers will be using. Where, what's the most efficient way to to do that, as well as just sort of the, the the sort of the core product, the scheduling product, which is where it really all begins for providers, um, and, and even doing things like you know the we set up tons of sort of free vaccination uh, schedules for folks to try and help help get that uh, get those vaccinations rolled out. And then there's another half of it for me that's, that's really fun and exciting on the strategic side and kind of looking at other options and ways that we can continue to improve the product and provide uh, better services uh, for our clients. It's just, it really is a lot of fun. And it's very different from my, you know, my, other, my other hat in the clinical arena, but it is, it is a lot of fun.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that we've been talking about is this, I'll go back to it, this entrepreneurial spirit what do you say to medical practices or pe- leaders within practices to say, okay, you, you've, you're doing your work, you're, you're, you're treating patients, but you do have that itch. You, you do have things you want to achieve that, like you've had, Dr. Hunt, where you've gone outside, have outside the box thinking there. Do you set aside an hour a day, an hour a week, what do you do as far as time managing and putting a priority on some of these innovative thoughts or innovative type thinking to make it happen? Because it's not going to happen if you don't work on it, of course. So how do you do that? Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Daniel, that's a a good question. And I think, again, it, it comes back to that balance of, you know, you've got your, you've got your day job and then, you know, when you, when you have sort of that entrepreneurial spirit, honestly, you know, doing those projects, they, they really are almost like fun hobby kind of things. I mean, some people will work on a car, some people play golf, some people will, you know, work on software projects. Mm-hmm. There's, there's, you just come up with different uh, different things that, that really kind of motivate you. And, you know, it, if it, if it becomes, I would always say if it became like really my job, my second job and you, just or, or burn out on it's probably not what you want to be doing because you know the clinical environment in the clinical arena as a physician or, or uh, practitioner is is challenging enough and, and trying to create another whole uh, business if you're if you're really not 100% in is is just a recipe for for burning out but what I find is that those sorts of activities and and ideas and and kind of new companies and new thoughts are are just really, really exciting and what keeps me motivated to, to keep keep doing things. I think if you, if you have that mindset, um, sort of that change mindset, I think those those projects are, are great. And you can do exactly what you said. So, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spend an hour a day or I'm going to spend, you know, the hour before I go to bed, I'm going to work on this project or, you know, it's always challenging too, as, you know, most physicians in that age are going to be, you know, they've got kids and so you're balancing everything, you're balancing work, mm-hmm. life, family, your other projects. But, you know, when you when you get something that really sort of is like an itch and you got to scratch it, um, it, it can be a, a great sort of relaxation
0: kind of release for you. Mm-hmm. Now, not to know, not to uh, focus on the negative, but just to be realistic here, you talked about sometimes you're going to fail at these things. For you, when do you know that you've you've put enough time into it and it just it may not be working either this way and you have to bring somebody else in to help you with it or you just have to pull the plug? I mean, what when do you know that? When do you figure that thing out so you just aren't spinning your wheels?
1: Yeah, unfortunately, there's not like a a little light that just goes off and says, <laughs> "Okay, this project is dead."
0: You know, it
1: doesn't work that way. Um, I, you know, I've had some really uh, some really Great flame outs uh, my my favorite flame out was I was working on a project uh, totally unrelated to medicine. It was a web development project for um, for babysitters. I was going to sh- we had this idea we were going to create this app. We actually did it We had this app and it was great and the, the coup de gras was that we'd set it up so that you could all the the parents could you could share your babies with you get a babysitter that, that you normally use you could you could talk to one of your friends and share their babysitters we did a little focus group we'd gotten it all developed and they showed up and we had this group of uh of moms and dads that were there and we gave this idea and the looks on their faces when we said share their babysitters was just like you've lost your mind i'm never going to share my babysitter <laughs> at which point we knew that project was dead <laughs> so sometimes it is like very very quick it's like well that didn't work out so good but Sometimes it's just you just go and go and you just don't get traction and say you know what we've we've put a lot of time and energy into this let's uh, let's move on. But at the same time, even like the babysitter project, there was there were things in that project and, and parts of it that I use even when I was developing Shift Admin. So it's never a total loss, and you just have to accept that that okay we're we're not always going to be you know 100% home run, but if I can take something out of this, make it positive, learn from it. And then the next time I go, I, A, I don't make the same mistake. And B, I've got, you know, additional sort of ideas and resources and pathways that I can go down that I didn't have before.
0: Right. Now, we've talked about time and time management many times here already in this conversation. So with your the two organizations you work with, how do you work that out then? Do you have an allotted time that you've contracted out with both organizations? And this is... How much time I'm going to give you a day or a week or how do you work that out and with both entities so they're both okay with it and you're okay with it both mentally and uh, physically you know where you can deal with it as well.
1: Yeah, fortunately, so for me, you know, emergency medicine is a is a is a great specialty. I love it, and the advantage slash disadvantage of it is it's you know it's a twenty four seven specialty. So a lot of times I, I end up doing a lot of my clinical shifts, you know, on Friday, Saturday, Sundays, uh, that are not work days. And then, you know, clinically, um, I can be free and and not have, uh, as much on the responsibilities on the Cugenda side, but Cugenda has been fantastic too. They also recognize that I've, you know, I have other responsibilities. And so they're, they've been great, very flexible with my, my time. Um, and so we, you know, I run a schedule and they know what my availability is and can schedule sort of around that. And I think that's that's part of it too, is just being, you know, being flexible. It's, it is one of the advantages of of shift work, where you know shifts are defined and you have your period. Where sometimes with office-based practices, it can be a little bit more challenging. I think to do that unless you, you know, set aside a dedicated day, like, you know, Wednesday afternoons, I'm going to be off. That's working on my own projects. Or, you know, every Thursday I'm taking off and going to be out of the office. So you, you have to go through and, and have those kind of arrangements with your, with your group and have those discussions. And I think it's really important to do that on the front end. So, you know, everybody has the same expectations about what's going on uh, when you start off.
0: Hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, this has been a fascinating conversation. I've loved, uh, learning about your creativity, your innovation, so let's share some of that wisdom a final time with the listeners here. What's a main takeaway you'd like our healthcare leaders on this call uh, to know about, Um, you know, to know about an entrepreneurial spirit um, and how that can benefit healthcare professionals and medical practices?
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, I think in, in medicine, we tend to be a little bit resistant to, to change and looking at at new solutions and better solutions. And as we, as we, as a healthcare entities get, get bigger and, and broader, I think we need to be uh, be really mindful of that you know, using technology, finding technology that works across the entire organization that can benefit, you know, all the different specialties and not, not trying to do as much one off, that we're going to get this little piece and this little piece because it, what happens is all of a sudden you've got, you know, 45 different pieces of software that that don't work great or, you know, a different kind of bronchoscope for this for this lab than this lab so trying to find ways to to standardize things like that can be really really helpful um going forward and and it doesn't it doesn't mean that you're not being entrepreneurial i think it really means that you're you're trying to find the best solution for for an organization i think that's something that's that's a lot of it's a it's very rewarding when you see it successfully done uh, and i think provides a tremendous amount of value both for you know the patients, but really for the clinicians, you know, when you can get software that works great uh, and makes your life easier, it, it's, it's a
0: pleasant surprise. Mm-hmm. Well, Dr. Hunt, um, thank you so much for sharing these ideas with you. It's been a lot of fun talking with you and hope to have you on the show again sometime.
1: Thanks, Daniel. I really appreciate it. Thanks for the opportunity.
0: Well that's going to do it for this episode of Insights. Thanks to our guest, Dr. Pat Hunt. And thanks to Ring Central for sponsoring this week’s show. Ring Central is offering a free new ebook on the payer provider relationship. Download your copy at go.ringcentral.com/mgma-healthcare. If you like the show, please rate and review it wherever you get your podcast. If you have topics you'd like us to cover or experts you'd like us to interview, email us at podcast at mgma.com. Or you can find me on Twitter at MGMA Daniel. MGMA Insights presented by Declan McGee, Rob Ketchum, and I'm Daniel Williams. Stay safe and thanks for listening.
1: Hi, this is Declan McGee, one of the producers for the
0: MGMA Insights podcast. If you like the work we're doing, please consider becoming an MGMA member. Learn more at mgma.com slash membership. Thanks. The popular buzzword we've been seeing everywhere is AI. But what we all want to know is how we can implement and use it to our advantage. When it comes to improving margins, accelerating cash flow, and optimizing staff performance, there's a one-stop shop using cloud-based predictive analytics. MGMA Analytics is your AI-enabled tool that upscales technology you've already been paying for. So you can silo your disparate systems and make data-backed business decisions. Visit mgma.com/analytics and see how AI can revolutionize your finances in operations. Again, visit mgma.com slash analytics today.